Welcome back to Over Here. My name is Nick Binzer, and today we are chatting with Alan Blanchard, uh, Outside In Music's curator for the This Is Jazz playlist. And today we're talking about June 2018, all of the great records that came out and all of the great music uh, that we were able to share. It's only a snippet of all of the great things that came out this month, but there's some really legendary releases, including John Coltrane, a bunch of new stuff from Kamazi Washington, and a whole bunch of other things that I'll let you hear about from Alan. But without further ado, we're going to jump in to this conversation. It was always fun chatting, and we kind of go into a bunch of things about music and uh, how people perceive music, uh, how people perceive artists, and kind of what goes into the history and backstory to some of these releases. So please enjoy this conversation about the This Is Jazz playlist. Find it on Spotify and subscribe so you can see it each and every month. All right, so we're back with Alan Blanchard today. We're talking about... The new This Is Jazz Today playlist uh, was a bunch of new tracks from, let's see, what month is it? It's July, so June of 2018. Uh, So, Alan, thanks for being here, and thanks for putting the playlist together. Yeah, of course, man. Always glad to. So, uh, I noticed uh, the the 10 that you picked were great, and then I was kind of looking around Spotify yesterday, and there was just like so many records that had come out last month. I was surprised you were able to even narrow it down that much. Man, there are some months where, you know, I've been talking to you and I'm like, Nick, there, you know, for some reason people only put out like eight records. But this past June, there have been so many records. And luckily, you know, I was having to narrow it down. But it it took a long time this time around. It actually took, you know, the entire month to try and sift through it all rather than just, you know, a, a day or something like that. Yeah, there's just like so many. All every all the big artists are putting stuff out. I guess it makes sense. It's festival season. And, yeah. Uh, time to go. So let's kind of go. I guess let's go backwards from the bottom to the top. Okay. Uh, so what? Tell me about this first uh, new track on here. Stanley so the Clark. first new track is uh, from the Stanley Clark Band off their new record, The Message. Uh, it's on Mac Avenue, and uh, you know Stanley Clark, great bassist. And I was just a huge fan of it. First off, it's like an eighteen-person band that he has on the entire record. Um, which was nuts because you can get so many different uh, perspectives and individual takes on certain things. You know, when you have people that that like that wide of a band and whatnot. Um, and what really interests me when I was reading this is he said that the album was inspired by L. Ron Hubbard, which is like the science fiction writer and the founder of Scientology. Mm-hmm. Um, which was cool because you hear in this track that I put on there, it's it kind of has like this almost ethno music vibe at first um before maybe gets a little bit closer to to what you want to call jazz or straight ahead or whatever um but it's great i this was just happened to be a track that i picked for this list but the entire album's all around great and just has this whole uh uh, a worldly and and this macro view on, on a lot of his his pieces and it's cool to hear like the the science fiction um influence now going back and listening to some of it again yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that Stanley Clark was also in, into that uh, whole Yeah, scene. I didn't either. <laughs> we'll kind of leave that as it is. But um, I mean, when I first turned it on, it was like it's that classic Stanley Clark vibe, but kind of updated to today. You know, it still reminded me yeah. of his first record, School Days. Did you ever hear that, School Days? I heard it like the other day because I was looking into Stanley Clark. Ah, yeah, that's that's classic uh classic stanley clark 
Awesome. So let's keep on rocking and rolling here. So the next one you have here is Charles Lloyd. Yeah, so it's this huge project that they've done, which is mainly based off this collaboration between Charles Lloyd, you know, the saxophonist and flutist, and this singer-songwriter, Lucinda, uh, Lucinda Williams. And so, and then plus that, they got this other great band, the Marvels, which is like this bluesy band that I guess was put together to go into this with Bill Frizzell on guitar, um, yeah, Greg Lice on pedal steel, Ruben Rogers on bass, and Eric Carlin on drums. Um, it, let's see, it's out on Blue Note, I think, again. And yep. look, it's just, it is killing, because it's it's been a long time, at least for me, since I've stumbled across something that has like what's intended to be an authentic blues band mm-hmm. um, in a jazz, quote unquote, you know, presentation. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It's, it's like this cool, it's almost like more folk influence in his, in his sax playing on this record in spaces than it is jazz influence, uh, you know, take with that as you will, but it's just, it's a cool vibe and they, they mesh all the different personalities in in a great way to come out with this very blues driven, um, record, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, this isn't the first project of this either right i think they did one yeah here i see it here uh last year maybe with the same band but without this the vocalist right right i long to see you yeah and uh no it's it's pretty it's pretty cool i listened to i know i listened to that record a bunch when it came out and it was uh it's a good it's an interesting blend of characters i thought you know between eric harland and ruben and then bill frizzell and then charles wood it's just like very you're right, like totally folksy, but kind of also rooted with that jazz. Yeah, and see, I got to go back and check out the other album because this was my first uh, introduction to Charles Lloyd and, and the Marvels in that regard. Had you heard so, Charles Lloyd like from the from the seventies, like the old? Charles yes. Lloyd? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I had heard that, but I hadn't checked out that uh, the other album they put out in what, like twenty sixteen? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, last year or the year before, something like that. I think. Let me see. I with a mo- modern technology, I could find out right away. Yeah, 2016. You're right. Yeah, but I mean, that's great to know. Though, and like again, it's just it's a perspective that I had not been open to mm-hmm. or or aware of. I guess you could say um, recently, and it, it was it, beyond enjoyable to hear how they blend like that. Yeah, super cool. And for me, at least for me, I don't know about you. I didn't come to Charles Lloyd till till later, but I got to see him play at the Newport Festival a couple of years ago. I guess it was 2016 with with Ruben and Eric and Jason Moran. And I was just like, oh man, I need to go and check out Charles Lloyd again. Oh yeah, just, I mean, I, I definitely didn't come across him at the age of like 15 or whatever. You know, it's certainly like past six months is when I started you know, finding Charles Lloyd through Spotify, discover weekly or something like that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Let's keep, let's keep going. What do you got next? The next is one of those, uh, super groups that I guess has been coming out on blue note recently. You know, you see the various ones that had like Nick Payton on it a while back and they had one with, uh, with Ambrose on it. They've been putting together all these groups. Well, this one's been put together by Robert Glasper. Um, and so the band is just, first off, stacked with Robert Glasper, you know, on piano and keys, Terrace Martin on synth and vocoder, then Christian Scott on trumpet, Derek Hodge on bass, uh, Taylor uh, McFerrin on synth and beatbox on some of the tracks, and then Justin Tyson on drums. Um, 
and it is killing. It is it's like this weird mix of you know the the Robert Glasper like hip pop influence and and, and R and B influence with then mixed with just like how he you know you see him approach standards and whatnot with like this this modern like hip hop take on it but then you have all the language and the you know uh complexity and explorative nature of jazz in it and it's just uh, this one actually has a vocal vocals on it they used also like terry cruz on this record and this one has uh, amanda seals on it who is a, a disc jockey and comedian mm. or who is a disc jockey and comedian um putting some you know lyrics or words over it however you want to view that which i thought was really cool and it's this weird um well, I, weird isn't the right word. It's new to me mm-hmm. <laughs> to hear it in that regards, um, which was cool. So, you know, because you kind of start seeing it back as like – like the biggest comparison I drew to it was like when hip-hop was first starting. And you kind of see the jazz influence into it with like the last poets and whatnot. And you see like disc jockeys and and more of like spoken word interacting with it rather than just straight vocalists in that regards. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean I feel like there's been a lot of people doing this kind of stuff with – spoken word and uh yeah like nick payton uh and his stuff that he was putting out with the um the dj that he was using on one of his records uh what was that record it was it was the uh afro cuban one i think mm-hmm. um but yeah you're, you're i mean you're right it's off the uh, afro cuban mixtape i'm pretty sure is where he started introducing that mm-hmm and there's um, some some of that kind of stuff like on Ambrose's last record too. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a building trend. Did you did you find out what does R and R stand for? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, at first I looked at it and I was like, well, I assume one of them might stand for R, like Robert. Um, but then I had no idea because I couldn't figure out the second one. Yeah. I so don't. yeah. But I think these, this group, they, they've been on the road this summer, I think, right? I think I've been seeing them on Instagram. Yeah, and they're they're touring again now, I guess, you know, with the momentum of the released album like we were talking about, um, which is, geez, like, let me find one of those concerts and make sure that, I, that I'm at it, you know? Yeah, totally. It's like this whole new, like, I guess it's not a new thing, but I suppose that these are the, the guys that are the, the all-stars. Yeah, I mean of this thing, this hip hop jazz thing, or whatever you sure. want to call it. I don't know what to call it. What do you call it? What are your What do you younger guys call it? <laughs> oh man, then we get into these arguments of like what is jazz and all all that stuff over lunch. Um, man, I don't know. I'm just calling it. I'm just calling it music nowadays. Yeah. You know, just because you get so many perspectives. I'm like, well, is this jazz because it doesn't swing and all that stuff? Like, man, it's just. It's just a bunch of musicians that may or may not have studied jazz in whatever sense mm-hmm. or black American music or black music or R&B, whatever you want to call it. And they're just using it to put out some killing music that I enjoy listening to. Well, that's so, a good way to think of it. Like yeah. That. Well, let's keep on moving. Next, we have something from Surreal. Yeah. So I first found Surreal um, through a Discover Weekly again. And it was actually – I picked this track because this was the first track that I found that like I really dug out off her, uh, one of her records, Let's Get Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's her take on like a, well, you need the Thelonious Monk tune. 
And this is off of a live album. At, and you might have to correct my pronunciation of this because I haven't been to New York. It's at uh, in the La Poison Rouge. Yeah, in yeah. New York City. Right. Yeah. People usually just um, say LPR. So. Okay. LPR. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm fine. not that hip. Um, and she did it last August. Okay. So it's out on Mac Avenue Records now, um, and she has. It's this really uh, great vibe, and I mean, gosh, I think this was the first time I actually knew that there were lyrics to Well You Needn't was when I heard her sing them. Um, but yeah, like my, the biggest thing that caught me with it, man, is she has this like drum vibe that's set up with, with like mallets between the toms, uh, kind of like your like arrangement of a, a Flowers That Love Some Thing, mm-hmm. but significantly quicker. Sure. <laughs> um, which is, it's really cool. And then they, they on the other record, they kind of swing out at the bridge and they do a little bit here too. But it's just, uh, it's a very fresh take on a, a standard that I love or Thelonious Monk standard that I love that, uh, you know, it's great to see her putting stuff out again. Because um, I've just been listening to the same old records <laughs> over and over again. Right. Uh, which, because she last put that one out in 2016, so it's great to hear. And I, I enjoy live records too, you know, rather than than studio all the time. Yeah, it's a nice way to change it up and hear what the band really sounds like, as opposed to the highly highly curated and edited and everything. Yeah, and I mean, you, you know, some people go in the in the studio and they're able to do it all in one take, or, or they they do it all in, in one take. I mean, they take the best of those takes, and then some people do the whole, you know cut and paste and, and put in stuff. So it's cool to be able to be like, well, now I know that this is actually how it happened. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds just as good. Totally. Totally. Um, but she's been real busy. I know she's been, seems like she's been touring, but I guess, uh, she's probably, there's a Christmas record from 2017. You just weren't paying attention apparently. I guess. And look, <laughs> look, believe it or not, when they're touring like that, they're not making their way down to Tallahassee. Oh no, really? No, no, no. There's uh, you know, we got this great venue down here that uh, doesn't put on much. So like, we don't. Th- th- you can't bring this kind of an artist down here to Tallahassee. Just not that big of a calling, surprisingly, right? <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep going on our list here. Now we're up, up to let's see, to Sullivan. Yeah. So Sullivan Fortner. Um, gosh, he's been. I think I first started checking him out when I started being aware that he was coming down to. Uh, the Savannah Jazz Festival down here in Savannah, Georgia, because, you know, we have all of our faculty go up to it. Um, and that was, you know, I started to notice that he was coming, you know, every other couple of years or every year. And that was when I started checking out his stuff. And he just dropped this new trio record called Moments Preserved. It's on Impulse. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. It's, you know, it's him on piano and Amin Salim. Hope I pronounced that right. On yep. bass. And Jeremy Beans Clemens on drums. Uh, and man, it's just look, I love Trio Records because the they're just able to to go with the ebb and flow to a whole nother degree than sometimes, you know, a five or six person band. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of that reason, obviously, because there's not five or six people. Um but it, it's just great. And and the track I picked, uh, they just I mean, for I know we're just talking about what is jazz, but you know they just swing, and they swing out hard. And yeah. Sullivan Fortner is great at piano; he's very tasteful with what he plays, and all. And it's just all around a, a great, great trio record 
to add to it now, you know, with, with all the other great trios that are going out now. Yeah, and this particular track, when I turned it on, it reminded me of like, I don't know, something like uh, like 3 and 1 or like Oscar Pettiford tune, Trichotism or something like that. Had a kind of vibe, kind of bebop, post-bop yeah. kind of line. But just killing, just swinging. But yeah, Sullivan, yeah. if you don't yeah, know, Sullivan played works. with Roy Hargrove for a long time and he's uh, making the rounds. And uh, I feel like everyone that talks about Sullivan has nothing but amazing things to say about him and his music and his touch and his vibe. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way to to put it. You know, it's just like this mature approach to it that, like you, like you said, it's just his his entire vibe to how he approaches the trio. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's keep moving up. We're up to, let's see, two, three, four. This is number five for this month. Yeah, um, man, Buster Williams just put out a new record uh, on Smoke Sessions and... Man, I was first, you know, really became akin to Buster Williams when I was reading Herbie Hancock's autobiography mm-hmm. and talking about his whole um, introducing Herbie to to chanting. And so when I heard that he was, you know, dropped a new record, I was like, man, I got to check it out. It's great uh, quartet record with Steve Wilson on saxophone, Lenny White on drums, and George Colligan on piano. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean. It's just exactly what you would want it to be. A huge bass sound coming from Buster Williams. And it's, it just brings you back. I mean, I can't believe he still has that amount of energy in him and is able to still, you know, all respect him for being able to hold it down like that and put together this great record like uh, Audacity. And it's just, it's, it's great. I mean, it was hard picking a specific track off of this one. Um, but I ended up choosing the one I did because it was just it's like, well, the one that I happened to listen to the second time first, you know, and it's the title track. Yeah. Uh, but the entire the entire record's great um, and definitely recommend it to anybody that liked his work with um, with Herbie Hancock. And, you know, again, with that kind of a quartet, like, what are you going to get? Bad music? No, you're never going to get bad music. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, of course. And that's on... It's on Smoke Sessions, the kind of class, all these guys, these classic records. Eddie Henderson from last month was on that Smoke one and right. Buster. And it's, it's, I think it's really cool what they've been doing, being able to like get these guys that have been able to record and be so uh, prolific for so long, you know, able to keep on recording even though uh, they don't, you know, they're not of uh, our younger generation. They're able to kind of help these guys keep on making music. So. Uh, yeah, really grateful for for those guys making that happen. Now, how about this one? How about Kamazi? What What are you thinking about this one? Um, well, so this is a. I guess this was like a surprise to everybody that he's dropping this new record or double LP or however they're phrasing double album. However they're phrasing it now, you know, he dropped this uh, EP last year, Harmony of Difference, and he came out with this one, which is that very much uh, Kamasi Washington vibe. That's the uh, the, I don't want to say there isn't a form to, to the music, but it's just so open, you mm-hmm. know, and so much approach on like this macro scale. And, and it's like less of a band recording and it's more of just this whole production or thematic album or something. And, you know, it's hard to say who 
like is all on his record. First off, it's out on Young Turks, uh, this label out there. Um, and he has, you know, people from Thundercat on it. Uh, he has the next step, which is his band or members from his band. Um, he has Terrence, Terrace Martin on it, Patrick Quinn, Brandon Coleman, like tons of other people. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's exactly what you would expect it to be. And there's no issue with that. You know, he just knows what he wants to do, how he wants to present the music. And it's like, you know, it might not come across as like, oh, here's this sax player or whatever playing like the baddest and most complicated licks outside or whatever. But it's just something that you can put on and listen to. And it almost like takes you to this whole other whole other vibe or or uh, landscape that he's trying to set out for you to listen to, you know. And and I mean, rightfully so, as he called it heaven and earth. And the album cover is just him standing on water, you know. Yeah, I'm just looking here and saying it's the same cover art from you know, some, some other like singles he put out this year. Yeah. I wonder like if the it's Street Fighter Moss. Right. I wonder if it's all well, supposed to go together or if it's, um, I think that's the part of like the, the double, uh, album mm. idea is it, he's just been releasing the other one as, uh, as singles, but right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one maybe correlates to, I, I think the one he just put out, you know, if you're looking at like all the song titles might correlate to earth quote unquote, Oh yeah, because uh, it's talking about like my family and Ooh Child, and he, like he does some covers on some of these tracks too. Mm-hmm. Um, versus the other one, you know, might be the, the space with the space travelers lullaby and all. But all in all, I mean, it's just it's great, and I still have to go back and now now that the entire thing's out, go back and check out the singles again, you know, because mm-hmm. he certainly puts out a, an entire production, not just tracks on an album. Yeah, it's not just tunes. There's a lot more to yeah. it. Yeah, man, he's huge. I remember I was driving from uh, L.A. to Phoenix a couple months ago and just in the middle of the desert, you know, just driving down the highway and all of a sudden there's a giant Kamazi Washington billboard. And I'm just like, I think he might be the only jazz musician uh, that's got a billboard at the moment. That's not like I haven't, you know, because obviously I've never been out west, but supposedly from like friends like you're saying that have been out to L.A., like everyone is Kamasi Washington is like the goat, the new guy. <laughs> like that's all there is to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, he's been doing it for a long time and it's like, it's, he's kind of just popping up for the last couple of years, but I mean, he's been out there doing that same thing for the last, you know, 20 years. It's just, we only see the, we only see the moment where the light shines, you know, we don't see all everything that came before. Yeah. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's how it is it's just it's it's nuts that he's just now coming to to uh to fruition and just now hitting it this big i guess you could say over on the east coast it's like been the west coast little secret that's now not so little <laughs> not little and not a secret yeah right, so next you've got oh a collaboration here i see between uh marcus miller and trombone shorty yeah so he put out this new record on uh, blue note called laid black uh, Marcus Miller, he did, you know, and it's just, it's, it's his regular band and it, it's, it's exactly what you would expect from, uh, Marcus Miller and, you know, his heavy influence from playing with Miles and whatnot. Um, and just tons of great guest artists on it. You got Trombone Shorty, you got Kirk Whalum, Jonathan Butler, Take Six, Alex Hahn is even on here on one of the tunes. Um, and it's just, 
you know, it it takes Marcus Miller's electric playing and then brings it in with Trombone Shorty's, uh, you know, heavy New Orleans influence and very much like a, I don't want to say jam band, but, you know, it's just like that very much like feel good uh, uh, <laughs> New Orleans music, for lack of a better way of putting it. Sure. Um, and, you know, I thought it was interesting that the track with, with Trombone Shorty on it was called Seven T's. Um, so I have no idea what the seven T's correlates to. I would like to imagine at least one of them is trombone. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it, look, it's another one of those rec albums that was very hard to choose, uh, which, you know, track I was going to take because also the last track on the album with take six and Kirk Whalum and Alex on preacher's kid was also a huge favorite of mine. Uh, Gosh, I think when I was picking this uh, a couple days ago, I might have just honestly flipped a coin between the two of them because every track on the record is just that good, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's incredible. You know, Trombone Shorty, always a pleasure to listen to. Um, extremely frustrating how good he plays trombone and then trumpet on top of it. <laughs> um, but again, it's just a, a great record, and it's great to hear Marcus Miller putting um, great music out again. All right, and now I see you've picked a second track from that yeah, same this record. Definitely, probably goes back to my personal biases. That's um, okay. But it, like again, I, it's I, I love when they put out these supergroup records, you know. And I always loved when they did it. Like when you look back and you find like the supergroup, you know, so and so play at Newport, mm -hmm. and it's like. You know, you got like Clark Terry and, and Dizzy Gillespie and Sweets Edison with like Oscar Peterson or, you know, like the Trumpet Summits when it's just like you just have greatness after greatness after greatness all lined up and they're all playing. Um, so I picked this one, uh, Change of Tone, which is a different vibe than the other one. Um, it's just the band on this one. You kind of hear a little bit more uh, Christian Scott on it, which most definitely probably uh, influenced me to pick it. Uh, <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's, it's just, again, it's the supergroup, man. And, you know, sometimes people will say that the supergroup didn't really work out because, you know, they haven't played together for a long period of time or what have you. But I definitely am a fan of this one. Um, I think it's some great song choices uh, and great, you know, great perspectives to all have mix out there on a record, you know. Totally. So, for, as from a trumpet player's perspective, where do you feel like like Christian Scott is coming out of? Where? Because I, I hear so many things in there. What, what, from a trumpet player's perspective, <laughs> where do you hear? Man, what is? <laughs> what a tough question to answer. It, he's um, Christian Scott was certainly someone that I don't think I was into at first, mm -hmm. um, and that's most definitely has to deal with where when he, when his first music or when his music was first starting to come out where I was as far as like growth and checking stuff out um but I I mean it's like he can play whatever he wants at any said time ever I mean obviously there has to be like an influence of Roy Hargrove he's checked out there's no doubt about it mm -hmm. um but then, like, the technical ability to play like Freddie Hubbard. Um, 
but then he also has like you know with how often he plays like his reverse flugelhorn and, and all like he has the sound of like this trumpet player pete minger who played with the bassy band and it's just but then it also it's like he's it seems like he's also checking out ambrose mm-hmm. you know and there's just so many or ambrose is checking out him one of the two and there's just so much that i'm sure he's checked out that's not trumpet related he, he talks about all this time like he's he's checking out all these worldly musics and how to implicate them and, and bring them in into his stuff and it's just it's it was hard to wrap my head around at first but now it's something where it's just it's it's kind of like that kamasi washington stuff i was talking about where it's like he brings you to a a production mm-hmm. or like a whole thought out process it's not just like here's a tune here's a tune and it's and it's on a different level i would say than you know, people that are like, I'm going to do like how you did that Herbie Hancock record. Like, that's great. And you, you did your take on Herbie Hancock's record, but it's his is more like thought out. And I feel like in a sense of like a, like a large work. Sure. Almost when he approaches stuff, which is, um, at the same time, exhausting to try and like follow it all the times. And you might have to go back and listen to it time and time again to try and make whatever, correlations you're gonna make um but it's also extremely exciting uh, at least for me to try and find those correlations between one track and the next or or one album and another album and see his growth and how he approaches stuff and then with such a you know he is i wouldn't say i strive to to have my trumpet sound like him but he's like the exact opposite of the spectrum of how trumpet players normally want to sound you know uh, which I think was a new a new thing for a lot of people, with like how dark and like he you know he calls it a, a playing whisper tones or, or whatnot, which is just mm-hmm. it was new when he first started doing it. Now so many people are trying to copy it and bring on that sound. Um, so I mean it's it's incredible. It's it's almost something that you would like like another trumpet player that I think he's probably checked out because it's Christian Scott. But reminds me a lot of him is this uh, European trumpet player Till Broner. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, which has like his his approach to how he plays songs kind of remind me of that. But man, I, that was a long answer to tell you. I have no idea who he's checked out <laughs> because he's probably checked out everybody I've said and then some. Mm-hmm. And then you know he's going to say someone, and I'm going to be like, oh, I've never heard of them before. And then he's going to look at me as like, what am I doing with my life? You know. <laughs> <laughs> because there's just so much in his blank. It's so hard to, to, to try and say like, you know, it's it's no John Faddis where you can be like, this is directly Dizzy Gillespie yeah. to John Faddis. Yeah. Well, to, go back for one second. What the heck is a reverse flugelhorn? Man, I don't know. I asked him on, like I, mess, I remember messaging him on Instagram and like, man, if by chance Christian Scott listens to this, answer my question. Um, he it's so like a flugelhorn, right? Normally you got uh, the lead pipe and it wraps around like a trumpet and it flares longer, larger, and like the valves are on or the the bell flares on like the left side. Well, he's been working with Adams, um, which is his company out of the Netherlands to make mm-hmm. his horns, um, and they've just been doing weird stuff to trumpets for him. Okay. Uh, and so the reverse flugelhorn is like. Rather than the lead pipe on the right and the bell flare on the left, it starts 
the lead pipe lower than the rest of the trumpet on the left, and then it wraps around and then like it flares with like almost like a Dizzy Gillespie type bend on the right. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know at all scientifically or logically like what it's supposed to do to the instrument or anything. Um, but now, you know, Adams is selling it and pushing it as like, well, it's a reverse flugelhorn. And so I don't know if like the reverse is simply the fact that they switch sides or what. I mean, I know Adam, like I play in Adams. I know many people play in Adams. Terrell Stafford used to play in that. Like they're great trumpets. Um, it's just always interesting to see how he's getting these new, new versions of, of the classic trumpet cornet and flugelhorn and seeing what it does for lack of a better way to putting it. Cause we don't know, we don't know the science or at least I don't know the science. Um, I'm sure it changes, you know, how dark the tone is because of where the bins are in, in the materials and all that. But I just want to know what guy thought that up and was like, you know what, what if we flip the sides of this? Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, that's one of those things where it's like, it's like a sandwich. You just put it on bread. Like you don't need to change that. Um, but for some reason they went back and they're like, let's change it and see what happens, which is nuts. Yeah. Did, have you played one or no? No, no. I haven't like, he's the only person I know that plays them. Oh, okay. And I mean, they, they sell them apparently, but I'm sure that they're mad expensive. Uh, <laughs> and I, like, I, like I said, I don't know even if I would be able to tell the difference or what, rather than like the different angles you have to physically hold the trumpet at. Sure. But they look cool as hell, and he sounds great on them. So whether we're, I'm gonna I mean I'm gonna chalk most of that up to him, but obviously the horn has something to do. So there must be some magic to it that I'm I just don't know. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get to this last one here, and I agree with you putting it uh, putting it here at the number one spot is pretty a pretty epic uh, situation here. I mean, if the goat puts out new music. Where else could you put it than number one with John Coltrane and the new album that came out, uh, both directions at once, the lost album, the deluxe version for Spotify, um, which is out on impulse. I'm pretty sure is who released his music or, or this new version of it. Yeah. It's impulse slash universal slash yeah. whatever slash verb. And all. I mean, whoever has the rights to Verve, yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that there was that debate that we were having or some people were having on Facebook is what we're going to call this stuff now. Um, so as he, they say, and I'm pretty sure they say untitled original one, one, three, eight, six. Um, I agree with you. Can we just start like looking through some of his notebooks or something and figure out a name for it? That would probably help. But look, it's the quartet, you know, John Coltrane, McCoy Tyner, Jimmy Garrison, Alvin Jones. Is there any more to say? It's it to me. It kind of has. Uh, I've listened to not all the record. I've listened to uh, half of it. I think or three quarters or whatever. But it kind of reminded me of uh, like that same kind of vibe around when he did that famous recording of My Favorite Things, mm -hmm. um, which is great because that definitely has to be like one of my favorite. Uh, uh, groups and in, in moments in his playing that he's put out um, or he did put out and it's just <laughs> I mean it's John Coltrane man they found an album and they released it like who's not having Christmas right now in June for the fact that there's a new train record I know I hear you well I uh, I thought it was interesting they sent 
uh, some people, they sent me, I got like the press release for this one and they were talking about that they, he recorded it the week before he made that Johnny Hartman, John Coltrane record. Uh, and it was Man, like, and that record is, is incredible. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, he was just like putting out all this stuff. And I think that this one just got eclipsed because of that other one. And then just got put somewhere, and then they realized, oh wait, he had recorded something else, and then there it is. Which makes me wonder, you know, how many records there are like that of other greats yeah. that they're just sitting on. And it's like, man, if there's more Oscar Peterson stuff, or more Clark Tate stuff, or like Freddie Hubbard, one of the most recorded, like release the damn records, okay? This stuff is killing, and we need to check it out. Well, I mean, that's probably because it's, like, not on a computer, you know? It's, like, on a roll of tape somewhere, and nobody, well, and it's look, just man, in a big, giant vault. Someone go find the vault and start converting that stuff and remaster it and remix it as you need to. Like, this stuff is great, and it's, it's, like, uh, like I said, it's, it's truly incredible. That's, like, here's this person that we've all checked out, We've all studied so much that we aren't even hitting, you know, anywhere near understanding all of it. And then here's new stuff. Right, right. How? You know, and it's just, and it sounds like new stuff. It wasn't takes of other tunes that he's played a lot. You know, it wasn't takes of like, oh, it's not like how some labels would be like, oh, we're re-releasing so-and-so here's the other seven takes of them playing you know but not for me Uh it was all new stuff taken in in a way i had not heard before and it's just it's i mean it's john coltrane yeah no i hear you amazing well alan thanks so much for taking some time to talk us through this list and putting it together yeah of course man and that is today's episode of Over Here with Nick Finzer and also our special guest, the curator of the This Is Jazz Today playlist, Alan Blanchard. If you don't know Alan, he is a master's student down at Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida. We met when I was teaching down there. And he's been working for Outside In Music on and off since uh, since that happened. So we're really glad to have him on board curating this playlist. And I hope you've enjoyed getting to hear a little bit about what went into this playlist. I hope you can check it out. Subscribe on Spotify so you can see every month the new playlist and thanks for being here there's a lot of new releases coming this summer so make sure you're subscribed to outside and music on youtube and facebook so you can see what's all happening some really great releases from some really amazing artists so thanks again my name's nick finzer we'll see you back here next week